administered by Desert Pines High School. Hosted by Philip Adizan. KJAG Radio presents to you Jack in the Dog. to the seventh episode of Jag in the Dark with your host, Philip Aditan. Today we'll be discussing two very, very creepy games and one other story that is... Well, let's just get into that one. Notes. Anonymous. All this started when I found that little note. A square piece of paper I found at the bottom of a box I was moving out of my basement. It read, Hello, please respond. I have no idea how long the paper had been there. Those boxes had sat in my basement since I moved in. I ignored it until the next morning when I opened the coffee maker to throw out the grounds, and inside was a sopping wet piece of paper that read, Please respond. Please help. I figured it must have been put inside my coffee maker by whoever was pulling this pointless prank because it wasn't there when I put my coffee grounds in. I found more notes under my mouse pad inside my computer tower while I was putting in some new RAM between the layers of tissue of my toilet paper roll under my DVD player's disc tray. Places that no one would ever look at, places you never think of putting a note, places you knew no one would ever look at and it would be foolish to put a note because who knew when they would see it. But it kept happening, and they all said the same thing every time, begging me to respond and help them in all caps. Being as dumb as I am, one day, I just got fed up when I found one inside a cup in my dishwasher. Right after I'd run it, the paper was dry. I wrote on the back of it, Hello, I'm responding, please explain your situation, and slid it under a crack in my bath-fitted tub. No sooner had I left my bathroom did I find another piece of paper floating on the surface tension on the surface of my glass of Sprite I had living in the room. I carefully picked it out of my drink, and it read, Thank you, and in larger letters, I'm trapped. I waved it around to dry it off a bit, and wrote it on the back of it again. Where are you trapped? How are you sending me notes? And, not creative enough to think of where to put it, I just threw it behind my couch. I waited and looked, but I didn't find any other notes for the rest of the day. The next day, I checked the mail. Inside of some spam letter was the next note, in the second dimension, below you. I wasted no time in responding, whoever you are, this prank is stupid, give it a rest, and threw it outside. The wind blew it away. The next note I got was still in obnoxious capital letters, though it was much longer than before and the last sentence seemed to have been squeezed into the remaining space. I think it was a passage from some encyclopedia or textbook. The first dimension is a defined point in space. The second dimension, this was underlined, is anything that exists with height and width, while the third adds on length. The fourth includes time, and the fifth is the past. Time that has already occurred is solidified in time-space. Everything beyond that was way too squished in to read. I rolled my eyes and responded again. How can you read this if you're in the second dimension? How can you even exist? I slipped this note into the space in my toaster between the element and the metal casing. 
A reply came when I brushed it out of my hair the second morning before I took a shower. Writing is 2D. Vision is 2D. Two 2D images superimposed. That didn't really get to the point of how I was supposed to rescue this person, which I defined in my next note that I flushed down my toilet. Make me 3D was all that was on the new slip of paper I found inside of a chocolate bar I unwrapped. How this person was putting these inside sealed products was beyond me at this point. I decided to play along. Maybe it was some kind of TV show thing. How was all I wrote for my reply. I remember exactly where I put it because it was the last thing that I wrote for a long time. I put it in a crack between my length mirror and its wooden backing. As soon as I let it go, it slid out of sight and I couldn't see any papers again for a year and a half. Getting dressed one morning for work, I went into my room and adjusted my tie-in shirt in the mirror. The same one, only now it was on the opposite side of my room. Looking into it, I noticed a square behind me on the wall. Turning around, there was none. In the instant, before I turned around again, I thought I must have fallen off. But in the mirror, it was still there, still stuck to the wall. I touched my mirror thinking maybe it was some sort of warping or optical illusion, but it wasn't. I lifted my heavy mirror up from the ground and slowly walked backwards with it, nearing myself to the opposite wall on which the paper was stuck. The closer I got, the clearer the message on it became, until I stopped, sandwiched between the heavy mirror and the wall, looking at the paper immediately over my shoulder. Make you 2D, it said. I moved out of that house as soon as I could. After bunking at my girlfriend's for a while, I got rid of the mirror, the toaster, everything. My heart still skips some beat when I see a perfectly square piece of paper sitting on the floor all alone. I still live in fear that someday I'll open up a book or look in the inner lining of a jacket and a piece of paper will flop out. I check all my things now, constantly. I also don't drink coffee anymore. That specific story is a very popular creepypasta, which has taken on also many different ways of telling it, different versions. Um, that specific one, I'm not sure is the original, but regardless, is still a very, very scary story. Um, this next story is maybe one that a lot of people can relate to, dealing with Minecraft and Enderman and the end. Let's get into that story right now. Scream of the End The usual stories about Minecraft will always go to Herobrine, about how he lives and he's a lot more than code. But have you ever wondered about the Endermen and whether there are any secrets about them? Everyone who has played Minecraft is well familiar with them by now, and while they can be hard to find in the overworld, many have visited their home in the end. Of course, they aren't hostile unless you look at them or attack them. For this reason, quite a few people consider them friendly and like them. Personally, I've always found them creepy and got rid of them whenever I could. They are based off of Slenderman after all. Well, after being strong as they are, regular players know that if you run into one right after you spawn, you run for water. For some reason, Notch decided to code them with a fear of water, and whoever thought anything bad could happen with water, right? Well, water is the whole reason this mess started. I haven't even attempted to start my game since then. I was playing on my regular world, a server that my friends and I had started. 
We had plenty of houses, built a seemingly unlimited supply of diamond and gold, and the Ender Dragon was defeated. There really wasn't much to do in the world anymore, so you had to get very creative. My friends and I were creative enough, and we understood the game very well. Aaron was our redstone guy. If you needed anything powered, he found a way to build it and make it better than any tutorial could ever tell you. Myself, I made a majority of the buildings, and even started on a city. We had a few guys who could work on supplies, planting and harvesting, anything that was needed. Lastly, we had Graham. He did all the magical stuff, potions, enchanting, and he built a mob trap so he could get an outrageous amount of experiences whenever he wanted to. Of course, we had the randoms who would join, the occasional troll, and sometimes we wouldn't even have someone new join our group as a regular. We had all fought the Ender Dragon before, and we could do it fairly quickly. Aaron and I, the majority of the group, would take over the crystals and fight the dragon. Graham, however, would stay underground working up potions for the battle and have the rest do deliveries. He wasn't too fond of the Endermen either. That's why he made us bring water buckets to the end. He stayed in the middle of the water, where the Endermen couldn't get him. That's where I got my whole idea from. One day, when I had nothing else to do, I decided to get on the server. It had been about two weeks since the Ender Dragon was beaten, and we hadn't really gone to the end since then. We had a little trap that was set up with torches and sand that would send anyone who walked onto it into the end. But it was mostly just to make them panic. Well, I had this great idea of using the end to farm Ender Pearls. I was planning on using Graham's idea with the buckets in order to do it, but on a massive scale. I had every intention of flooding the end. With the help of an inventory editor and the fly command, I started. Of course, this was only time I was using such things, as I made sure our whole server was legit. However, I was the only person on, and I figured everyone would have a good laugh at the fact that I flooded the home of the Enderman. As I started going, a good portion of the floating island they called home was filling up quickly. You could hear them panic and teleport away every time they would get splashed, and the occasional scream from them when they decided to go swimming for too long. It's amusing how much determination to live in a simple computer AI can give a being. As the rest of the island started to fill up, they became very crafty on their spawns. Many were going under the islands on little ledges, but as soon as I saw them, they would be swept away from water and fall into the void. I kept going until there was a little square in the center, and the obsidian platform I spawned in on. They were pushing each other for what little precious space they had left and one would fall off the platform or into water every few seconds. I made a few more trips around the island, filling up any spots I missed and finishing off any stragglers that found a comfy spot to sit in. One even had a spot they found buried in the ground in a four-tall tunnel until I flooded him out. This all took about until one o'clock in the morning, and I was happy I was able to finish in the night's end. After I was sure that I had filled every dry spot up, I filled up the square in the center. Many of the Endermen just swam until you heard the death scream and they fell, while a few of them managed to teleport to the platform. I decided to have a little fun, at first flooding the edges and watching them push each other off into the water and off the level. This left only four. This just compelled me to get it over with and flood the center, which I did, causing the three of the four to fall off the platform. The one remaining Enderman stayed jumping in the center and slowly his health was being chipped away. Finally, he fell to the floor and screamed. But it wasn't a normal death scream I had grown accustomed to during my trip. It was glitching, slowed down, 
then it would start over, skip, and drag out even more. Eventually, the rest of the game took out, and I was unable to move. The sound repeated itself, as did his body falling to the floor. That is, until Minecraft has just run out of memory. Minecraft then crashes, as does Java. As many people do when something like this happens, I started up both the server and Minecraft again. I figured it was just a glitch due to the massive amount of water running and the loot that was on the ground from the Enderman dying. I put in my IP address in the multiplayer and click connect. Error. World not found. Shoot, I thought, as I knew the crash would corrupt the files. Luckily, I backed up the world right before we fought the dragon. I grabbed my external, copied over the files, and loaded it right up. Even though I couldn't fix all that was lost, I figured I'd go back and fight the ender dragon before bed. Thanks to Graham, I had armor and weapons with any enchantment possible, as well as potions that would last me years of battle. I get over to the portal, jump down the hole, and the end loads right up. However, something is wrong. As I look for the ender dragon, I see nothing in the air. The crystals are on the towers, but no dragon to feed off of them. I notice next to the endermen are gone as well. I get on the island, walk around a bit, until eventually I'm hit. I look up and see that the crystals are chaining to what, what I presume would be the dragon. He was invisible, so the world just didn't load properly. I save, exit both programs, restart my computer, and get right back into it. The dragon is there, but the enderman is still absent. Easier fight, as I don't have to worry about looking in the direction and having to ward off a mad enderman. 20 minutes later, I shoot the last arrow in the dragon and he floats in the air, and the egg drops onto the fountain. I run over there so I could get out of the end, but another strange occurrence. The end portal that usually fills the fountain is now just the same texture as water. A bucket wouldn't pick it up like normal water either. This just led me to think my .jar file was corrupted and I hop in. Eventually, it functions just as the normal end portal would, except I hear the death scream to the Enderman again. Not just once, but over and over and over. My portal finally works, but it isn't what I expected. Black. Then, Minecraft has just run out of memory. I reinstall all the files, including the world, for another time, and the game starts up without a hitch. I get back to the portal and hop in. This time, it's not the end that awaits me. Instead, it's like an endless room. I can still see, but it's just a faint glow around me. I walk forward thinking it would be the end and something like a potion of blindness is stopping me from seeing. The faint globe of light is all I can see, and the only source of light in my room as well. That platform doesn't end in a few blocks though, and the obsidian continues, shattering my hopes of being in the end. The obsidian floor keeps going in all directions, so I follow a straight line. I walk, and the sounds start. My footsteps first, but then the sound of blocks being placed. As I go forward, the faint sound of Enderman begins, and increases. First, just the normal grunts. Then, they sound as if they are agitated. The sounds become much more frequent. It gets louder, as if there is a whole horde chasing me, but they refuse to catch me. I start to see the purple pixels as if they are teleporting themselves and me. Then it stops. A few seconds and steps later, one comes flying at the screen, and the death scream goes at full volume. 
This literally makes me jump and let go of the keyboard and mouse. Silence. It didn't start up again until I moved the mouse. One more sound, a light grunt, as if they are letting me know they are in the darkness, just out of my sight. I go forward again, clicking my mouse, hoping to hit one of them, or a wall or anything. The pattern starts over. The sound, the pixels, and the scare. I didn't stop moving though, and neither did they. It continues. Escape Alt F4. They don't have any function. Plugging the computer is out of the question, as I refuse to risk my equipment. I keep going, hoping it ends. After about three minutes of the cycle, it does. I'm teleported one last time, unable to move. The Enderman on the screen stares straight into my eyes. Water surrounds my character, and after 20 seconds, he begins to drown. You are dead. In the background, the Enderman still looks with his stoic appearance, not even flinching as much as an inch. Five seconds later, the computer powers down without warning, and I'm left in the dark. The next day, I send my friend the files for the world. They play the game without any flaws, gone to the end, and even got a few pearls. I refuse to. I don't even have the files on my computer anymore. Did a complete wipe off the hard drive. Minecraft became more than a game that night. It's a lot more than a simple AI controlling a few entities. Definitely more than a glitch. These games and entities that form are our fears. They do that and much more. It's a lot more than just simple coding now. The Endermen, they do hold a grudge. They have a fear and it is not something to taunt them with. They are aware and they will make sure you become well aware of them and their presence. That was a very, very horrifying story for me because I know personally when I used to play Minecraft, they were creepy to me as they were based off Slenderman and they still kind of do creep me out. And I'm sure many of you might feel the same way as it was part of our childhood, but now we take it back even further before our childhood, maybe into our parents' childhood with the Nintendo 64 the spooky, scary themes of the 80s. Halloween 64 by Jay Spezial I had heard rumors of the game's existence on various gaming sites and message boards, but I never thought it was actually real. I spent a little over a year trying to track down a copy, but I always came up empty-handed. That was until a few weeks ago, when the game decided to find me. I am here to beg you, do not go looking for it. If an unfamiliar game shows up at your door, leave it be. It can disguise itself under any platform and does not abide by the rules of our universe. If you are unfortunate enough to play it, I will provide instructions below to hopefully give you a fighting chance. The game decided to present itself to me on a Sunday at 12am. It had manifested itself into a blank Nintendo 64 cartridge with no writing or sticker logo and it was placed outside my front door with no note or instruction. I paced around for 20 minutes and I tried to comprehend where it had come from and who had delivered it. 
Eventually, I hooked up my console and inserted the cartridge. The version of the game had it titled itself Halloween 64 and included an inverted Nintendo logo. It had also displayed a few presumably non-existent dev companies like Eulogy and Last Breath Software. The title screen included the words Halloween 64. Press start in text made to look like cheesy green slimes. As soon as the game begins, you will be unable to quit until it is complete. I'm sure you're thinking, just turn it off, unplug it, or walk away. If only it were that simple. The game has several methods of self-defense, and the harder you try to disrupt it, the stronger it becomes. The power function of the console will not respond if you try to turn it off. The red power light remains on and the system operates like normal. The cartridge cannot be removed. It does not matter how hard you pull, it will stay locked in place. If you annoy it enough, the cart will become scalding hot and burn your skin to the bone. In addition to this, all outside communication will be lost. Your phone and internet will not function while the game is running. Any door or window that leads to the outside world will be inaccessible. My front door wouldn't open and all of my windows became shatterproof. To be honest, I'm not sure if time even passes while playing the game, as every clock in my apartment remained at 12 o'clock while playing. You were given 10 lives. Certain aspects in the game will be mirrored in reality. Any pets you own will vanish as soon as you lose a life. As you lose more lives, you will get very sick. Very, very sick. I became nauseous, my head started to pound, and my nose began to bleed. The more lives you lose, the worse you will feel, but you must keep playing. I can only conclude that losing all lives will result in death. Level 1. The Neighborhood You're a third person character in Level 1. As a child, dressed in a skeleton costume, carrying a jack-o'-lantern bucket, you start off in the middle of a suburban neighborhood covered in cheap Halloween decor. The street had a striking resemblance to the one I grew up on. I can only assume this is a detail that is different for each player. Although the street appears linear and endless, it is not. As you move forward, the street lights behind you will go out. Do not go into the dark. Keep moving. If you move your character into the dark, you will lose a life. As you play, you will notice the darkness creeping behind you in a reality. After a few hours of running down the virtual street, all of the lights in my apartment went out one by one. Whatever you hear, see, or feel, it is very important to not take your eyes off of the screen during this level. You will hear doors in your home open and close footsteps, and the familiar voice whispering in your ear. Do not lose concentration or you will lose more lives. You may even feel a hand rest on your shoulder. Eventually, the level will end without notice. The timer on the screen showed that I ran for 7 hours and 26 minutes before completion. Level 2. The House Level 2 is displayed in the first person. 
you will enter a house with limited visibility, as a dim flashlight is your only source of illumination. As you regress through this level, you will notice a difference in temperature around you. My apartment was freezing, making it extremely difficult to concentrate. Again, you must keep playing. If you get up and try to adjust your thermostat or get a coat, you will lose a life. I lost four lives during this level and started coughing up blood. As you move through the house, you will discover various weapons. When you recover all of these weapons, you can progress to level 3. These weapons cannot be used in self-defense. It is best not to equip them, as your character will only use them to harm themselves, thus resulting in the loss of more lives. As you move through the dark house, you will hear and see things that will test your limits as a human being. I will not go into detail, but I saw and heard things in this game that were deeply personal, disturbing, and worst of all, genuine. Be prepared to witness every terrible experience of your past, all of those things you have repressed, forgotten, and maybe even went to therapy to try to work through. Once again, you must keep playing, and you must collect every weapon. Level 3. Final. This one, like the last one, is in first person. I entered this level with two remaining lives, almost certain that I was destined to fail. Like the former levels, I believe that it is custom tailored to the person who is playing. You will enter a bedroom and see a person lying on the bed asleep. They may resemble a loved one, a friend, or yourself. I saw my best friend, who passed away 10 years ago. You will have access to every weapon you grabbed in level 2. A knife, a blowtorch, baseball bat, and screwdriver. Your objective is simple. Take the person's life in bed. They will not fight back. Once their health bar is diminished, you will win the game. I chose the knife. I walked up to the bed, aimed, and struck the body with the blade. White hot pain filled my eyes, and I instantly discovered the hatch of level 3. Whatever pain you inflict on the person, you will feel in reality. You will not lose any blood, you will not lose consciousness, and you will not, but will feel every single sensation. If you take too long in between blows, your players will lose a life. The person on the bed will beg you to stop. They will scream your name again and again. It took me 20 minutes to get rid of them, and I could barely hold the controller when it was over. I completed it with just one life remaining. My body was cold, frail, and broken. I remember reading game complete on the screen just before blacking out. I am not sure who the game will choose next, or if it has already been chosen. I just pray that they will read this before it's too late. That concludes our last story for the seventh episode of Jack in the Dark. I hope you were scared, frightened, horrified, and maybe even remember, or will remember, what scared you as a child. This has been your host, Philip Edithan. Only on... Jack in the Dark.